Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So when we become parents, as well as the abundance of love and the deep connection that we all feel, we do have to deal with the monumental meltdowns, the tantrums, the screaming, the shouting, and sometimes it can feel incredibly overwhelming. So we wanted to bring you uh, an amazing podcast today all around um, behavior. Uh, and what better way to have this conversation with two absolute experts in the field? Uh, they are known on Instagram as Toddlers, Teens and Between. Please welcome Sophia and Jem to the podcast. Yay! Hey, hey, Hi, ladies. Oh, do we need this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just um, give the listeners like a little insight into your background and just like your experience and stuff before we get into it? Go on, Jem. Okay. Hi, I'm Gemma. Um, I am the toddler and between expert on toddlers, teens and between. Um, I am a primary school teacher and have always been interested in behaviour and attachments. Um, I'm about to start training to be a child and family psychotherapist. Um, and yeah, I'm currently still working in schools. Um, so still in touch with the children, but looking forward to get them getting more into the kind of family side and behavior side of things right well interesting and I'm Sophia Gemma and I've been friends since we were 11 actually so it's been amazing to go on this journey together we are both teachers we train together I'm a um, secondary English teacher and now do all the pastoral mental health and well-being support so post-covid that's wow. a lot a lot yeah. um, and work with teenagers in secondary school and I'm now doing all the relationship sex health education as well so I get a lot of interesting conversations from teenagers and what they share um, and tell everybody and with their permission and I also am in training to become the school mental health specialist so I'm doing my master's in that at the minute so we've got wow. a lot going on. We yeah. have got some experts in the room. Super <laughs> women, I love, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got loads of questions as we thought we would so let's just crack straight on with them. Um, um, so I guess what we'll do is, is we'll read the questions out and then if you feel that you're more um, qualified to answer it just jump in and we'll, we'll do it that way. Um, right. How to deal with a toddler that seems to cry all the time. I'm laughing because my toddler is currently screaming upstairs so um, <laughs> it's not something we can avoid um crying is a way of expressing emotion having a tantrum having a meltdown these are all ways of a child expressing their emotion so it's not so much about trying to control them it's more about controlling how we react to it and what we can put in place to kind of make 
their situation better. Obviously, when you're out and about or you're working, it's much harder. So um, I would say there's lots of things that you can do to kind of calm them down when you have more time. Um, So things like accepting and acknowledging why they are crying. So I can see you're really sad about whatever it is. Say they didn't get their favorite sweet or a toy's been taken away. Acknowledging that. Don't not mention the elephant in the room because you're scared it's going to bring more attention to it. Actually, by empathizing with them and saying, yeah, I get that that's why that you're really sad and you're valid to be sad really kind of helps diffuse them and calm them down. I'd also say don't talk to them when they are at the height of their tantrum because mm. they can't hear, they can't process. It's not a time to lecture. It's not a time to kind of ask why. It's not a time to engage in anything. The only thing they really need from you in that point of view is to say, I'm there for you. I am here for you. Mm, That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, and it makes sense. But, you know, sometimes when you're in those moments, it's so difficult to remember that, isn't it? Just to, like, bring it all down and, like, accept it. The best ways to bring it down is to actually physically go down, not just with your voice, but with your body. So go down to their level and calm your voice so that everything seems smaller and more gentle and more calm. And you're minimizing rather than standing into the frustration of it all. Great tips. And actually, having had these conversations, for the last sort of four or five years on the podcast I've started this new thing with Kit where he gets so angry it sort of reminds me of like tiny 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 husband who just gets like he's sort of he's got into this habit of like storming out and then he'll try and slam something even if it's like something that can't be slammed and maybe he'll like chuck a chair a bit and then he'll like go off and and before I'd be going over to him going oh Kit like what's wrong and tell mummy and oh why are you and then I start going why are you behaving like this and all this sort of stuff and I just go do you know what Kit if you're going to go off when you want to come back then we'll have a chat and it's at that point that the sadness then comes from him and then we can have more of a conversation and have an understanding but in those heightened moments I can't reach him so okay. I've stopped trying to now yeah and that's why as a toddler it's really important to kind of narrate not obviously not when they're in the height of the tantrum but to narrate post tantrum okay you were crying because you were feeling sad you were slamming your fist down because you were frustrated and if you can narrate that kind of this is how we react to something when we're feeling an emotion then as he gets to as the child gets older and they become more of a between they will be able to internalize that and say right I'm feeling angry I'm going to stomp around for a little bit I know mummy's and or daddy's going to be there for me because that's what I've heard my whole entire life so let me go and stomp around and then I'm going to come back and I can process it but because they've got that language of anger feeling sadness they know it's okay to release these emotions being taught how to safely release these emotions because you can't just squash an emotion or a feeling inside of you you need to release it sometimes um so if they've been taught how to do that safely then yes as they get older they will find those cathartic releases in a more kind of socially acceptable way yeah brilliant um we've had loads of questions on not listening um you know from age six some people two and a half year old three year old literally just doesn't listen what do you do (laughs) (laughs) so depending on their age sometimes they genuinely I'm going to be on the side of the child here sometimes they genuinely just cannot hear you so first of all you have to make sure they have they have heard you and one of the ways you can do that is can they repeat back to you what you just said right 
you know that they've heard and they might just need a few extra minutes of processing. So if they're watching TV or you say something or they're in the middle of doing something, they genuinely just might be so absorbed in it that they haven't heard you. Stopping, pausing, getting eye contact and getting them to repeat it back to you would be step one. So you know that they have heard. If it then escalates that they are now choosing to ignore you um, and not listening in that sense, then you can apply little tricks of a countdown timer, um, a reward chart, such as a star chart or something to focus them on like, oh, remember we do first time listening. Yeah. You can kind of say, right, I've told you what you need to do. You know what you need to do. I'm going to leave the room. And when I come back, I expect it done. So setting your expectations at a high level. A lot of the time as teachers, we've learned that if you ask for something, it's a choice. But if you set the expectation saying, pop your you know, bowl in the sink, thank you. It's already like, there's an assumption that they're going to do it. It's yeah, that's a really good tip. Changing such a little word can make a big difference. I, yeah, I really like that, actually. Breaking things down. I, I find the morning can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure lots of people listening will be nod- nodding. And if yeah. you start as the mother or father barking, you know, like across the kitchen, right, guys, c- right, first job, brush teeth. Then you've got to get, nah. go, where are your book bags? Oh, you guys haven't done your hair. Where's the hairbrush? Then it all becomes really muddled and quite high voltage. So if you say to them, right, this, there's three things on the list. First job let's brush our teeth. Second job, get your shoes on. Third job, then they can kind of do it in stages. It becomes a little bit more manageable. Yeah. What you can do to them is you can say, these are the three things we need to do before we leave the house. Which one do you want to do first? Even as like a toddler, they can do this because a lot of the times, especially the toddler frustration is about control. So if you give them that control of they can choose to get dressed, then brush their teeth, or even if they hold their book bag, get dressed and then brush their teeth it doesn't matter if you give that them that little bit of control it kind of they don't go searching for it okay um here's a question um at what age I guess Sophia you'll be taking this one at what age should I start discussing the birds and the bees with my daughter she is currently eight Oh, yeah, I was going to say it'd be nice to know what her age she is. So this is yeah. interesting. So let me just clarify. Eight is which year group, Gem? Is that year four? Yes, year three, year four. They are probably actually hitting puberty. They are getting bigger. They might be getting a bit of hair. Periods. They might be getting that. So they're already becoming aware of it. And also they are still that really immature age. So they're smacking bums. Yeah. Calling each other horrible names because they're not understanding what's happening. So it's it's quite a confusing time um, to manage in terms of they look like they're becoming a grown up, but their brain is still very much young and immature. If we then think about the fact that a lot of children's adolescence is sorry they're they're like play has moved from play to phone so we were talking about the fact that actually just before the interview began that like loads of kids we know are getting phones younger and younger and younger and as much as parents want to create digital safety and ensure that they've got like locks around certain parameters of their kids access we know that they are seeing and exposed to things way younger than before actually the children's commissioner said that 10 percent of nine-year-olds have have been watching porn oh my god yeah yeah and by 13 half of children have watched porn yeah and, and when we're talking about porn we're not just talking Shit. about early level we're talking like extreme level content and bear in mind this is on twitter this is on reddit which can often turn up on tiktok snapchat people are sending like do you send which means do you send news and we're talking like you know 
at late primary school age. I just wanted to protect them. For, I, I just know. don't want them seeing that sort of stuff. I know. And you know what? The, the best thing we can do as adults is have a minute to think, first of all, your personal experience of porn, masturbation, sex, anything like that when we were younger uh, was one thing based on the fact that a lot of taboo and shame was around it. But what we can do now for uh, the generations below is take away some of that shame and talk about body parts and um, behaviours and actions in a calm and controlled way. So, for example, if she is eight, she's eventually soon going to be hearing words from the sisters or brothers of her friends and she's going to be listening to that language. And so the best thing we can do as parents is questions is questions. Tell me, you know, what is the craziest thing your friend has told you recently? Or um, did you watch with her on your Snapchat the other day? What were some of the interesting things that shocked you? And so what you're then learning is their like algorithm or parameters that they're exposed to. And so I would say that prior to going diving into being like, okay, here's how sex works, is actually, do we have in our family, are we learning the proper anatomy of the vulva of the penis yeah. of the testes the clitoris the labia do they have the words and then not only that but like packaged together is consent so what is ours to touch what is not for anybody else to be exposed yes. to what is yes and no what is affirmative consent and these are words that are you know you'd be like what the eight but actually like Jem says they're running around smacking each other's bums and mm-hmm. what message are, they, are we as parents kind of managing and controlling if we don't add consent into the discussion so I think even before the chat about sex yeah. let's begin with an anatomy and consent consent do you know what even like Axel for instance Axel's a real hugger he's six but he, he'll go and hug Gigi and she doesn't want to be hugged and and even at that point now I go Axel you can't make someone hug you that doesn't want to like I, I just I literally just say I just say it to him all the time because she's like no I don't want to and even though my husband with her as well if he wants he goes come on give daddy a kiss bye and she goes no no and I go and now he's just like okay no worries you know like before yeah. he's always like yeah. Kiss your granddad goodbye. Kiss this person. Do you know what, Georgia? The that is so important because we can just give the language to our younger ones. For example, with my daughter Luna, I say we're going to say goodbye. Why don't you ask your friend, granny, whoever, how you want to say goodbye? And we, I just use the sentence: ask them, do you want to wave, high five, or hug? And then you just see like two little toddlers choosing to wave each other and like what gorgeous consent is that at four years old asking and using a sentence like we're going to say goodbye ask them how they would like to say goodbye and agreeing that like wow that's so different we that's learn. amazing yeah that's a re- oh, that's a really good tip there are some incredible books actually um, which have been recommended to us in the past around kind of um you know boundaries and consent and stuff that you can get on Amazon. Uh, Pantasaurus and the pants rule—that's really great. Let's talk about body boundaries. Um, amazing, you getting smart about your private parts—they come highly recommended. So we'll, we can link those as well. We'll put them on our Instagram. Yeah, definitely recommend yeah. them. This is interesting, and and again, a few questions on this. Highly emotional five-year-old cries a lot at little things and can't watch scary movies. I've actually got I mean, some. I like can't. This. I've got a scary like movies. This. Like what? I'm- 33 and I don't want to watch scary movies. (laughs) I've got a son who can't even watch Minions. Yeah, right. Um, Rue is a lot. I have got also a very um, 
uh, emotional child as well. My son gets very teary at things. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just their processing. I think um, we've kind of come a long way from the thought process of just toughen up, come on, get on with it. Um, But you also need to build their resilience. So it is quite a hard one to manage and it's kind of depends on the circumstances. But I would say the rule of thumb is always offer them empathy, always go in with the kind of, that's really sad, you really feel that, that's whatever it is, again, labeling what it is. But then if you know it's something that they should kind of brush off a bit and almost get over, but you don't want to say it like that, you say, okay, can we think what we can do and focus them forward and involve them in the thought process. So like, what can we do to make it better? What can you do to make it better? Okay, you want to go and play with your friend? Great. Go play with your friend. You want to sit down and watch TV for five minutes? Okay, sit down and watch TV for five minutes. You're giving them that option of this is sad, but we need to move forward. How do you want to go about it? Because sometimes, yes, it will be fine and we know the bigger picture it is, but when you are upset, someone just coming along going, oh, that's fine, is like, well, it's not right now. And you know what Jem taught me is the sentence, what do you need from me? And like adults, sometimes I just want to be heard and sometimes I need my advice. And if it, if I get the wrong thing, it really annoys me. So what do you need from me can be really useful problem-solving skills that they develop early to think, mm, what do I need? A hug, a chat, a walk, whatever it might be. And so then they are developing their own personal resilience and skills. Yeah, yeah. that's really good advice. You guys, you're giving such great advice. Well, this one I really relate to. This is from Meg. My five-year-old's behavior is so poor after iPad time, even with time limits. Any advice? Yeah, good old iPad. So yes, there's definitely a correlation between certain programs and behavior. And if you notice that about your child and they've watched a program and you suddenly notice that they're acting really violent because they've seen that program or however they're internalizing it, explain to them your behavior from watching this has changed so I don't want you to watch it and give them a few days of not watching it or choose something else and see if that alters their behavior if it's a case of they still just kick and fight about having their iPad and they won't turn it off on time then you need to kind of train them to do the listening of we switch off when it's time to switch off, but you also get it when it is time to get it. So if you go in with threats of, if you don't do this, I'm going to remove the iPad, it becomes unclear when they get it, when they don't get it, is it going to be taken away from me? I better hold on to it when I've got it. And it's just about kind of thinking, right, they don't need to earn their iPad time. If you've decided that iPad time is allowed that day, give them the iPad time, but you need to set hard boundaries around that iPad time. And it's almost protected time. It's not a case of, um, well, you didn't listen, so I'm taking it away because then that's when the struggle comes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you know what I find sometimes, it, especially with my son, actually, if he gets so engrossed in like a TV program or like uh, he plays FIFA, he can get like engrossed in it. That it, It's like he becomes like a bit of a zombie. That's what the only way to describe it. And sometimes it can, it will just be 30, like a 30 minute program or, you know, playing a couple of matches on FIFA. He's like a zombie after. Yeah. Like, what, like, is it just some kids can't, I don't know. It's the blue light, isn't it? Or is it? Yeah, is I was going to say, there's definitely research into like how it is altering our brain states. If you are noticing that, I would say kind of 
try and counterbalance it with giving them other things to do. See if you can naturally minimize the amount of iPad that they have without it being a punishment. Okay, well, FIFA is great. How about playing real life football? Or what is it? And you can ask them depending on their age. Like, what is it about FIFA that you enjoy? Is it the connection with your friends? Is it the pushing of the buttons? Is it the um, playing of the football? And try and find out if there's alternatives that you can kind of offer them so that they're not just glued to the screen. Having it for maybe try shortening the time if you say it's just half an hour that he does and he's like this try shortening it to 15 minutes yeah I, I get I get um I get the kids to repeat back to me so I say yeah it's iPad time you get you get to have an hour but what happens when mummy asks for the iPad back and I smile and they go give the iPad back straight away mummy I get them to say it and then when it's time and I come over and say right it's time to give the iPads back they go okay it's working at the moment it's working yeah. You know what you can also do is get, I've got like timers that have like a little stand timer with a color and, you know, green means five minutes or red means 10. And I turn it over and I'm like, Luna, can you see how long we've got? She turns it over and she can physically see time because who understands time when you're five? Like you don't know how long you've got left. I just say though, these five-year-olds are very smart. My son, I thought I was being really smart and putting the time limit on the iPads. And was like, yep, that's my parenting done. I've, I've controlled that. You just overrode it. These are the computer geniuses of the future, though, by the way. So there we go. We'll be right back after this short break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Spitting. Not something my eldest did and a huge trigger for me. My daughter does it though. She's she, 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 she's wow, in trouble. She spit like well, not every spits at somebody or something. She just like blows bubbles out of her mouth and I don't know. It's weird. I think that it's a kind of expression of um because they're not going like like that. They're just more blowing raspberries kind of thing. The stages of development, and one of the stages is kind of like the mouth and it's like learning everything through there and I just think it's um they're exploring things through their mouth and they're showing their feelings through it I don't think it's associated with as you said spitting at somebody that's very different I think if it's just a response to something and they're blowing raspberries then it's a case of okay they're just quite young and they're still just almost fixated in that area um, of expressing themselves I wouldn't it's very triggering because spitting is something that's totally frowned upon and it's like oh my god they're a spitter I just think it's kind of it's a stage of development where they're trying to express so you go in saying like we do not spit but I wouldn't necessarily go in with anger I would go in more with like teaching again trying to label the emotion that they are feeling 
a, like before the spitting happened. And also yeah. ask, telling them what they can do. Because it's really hard when we hear like, don't do that, don't do that. So, so what do I do in this moment? Perhaps a different option with their mouth. And so it could be like, a, I don't know, if they're very young, it could be like a little matchstick monkey or the Sophie giraffe, something to like gnaw on. Um, and as they get older, it could be something different. We can ask Jen what she advises. But yeah, just something that they can do with their mouth that isn't going to be told off about. Uh, Sophia, I'd, lo- I'd like to bring you in here because obviously there's a lot of questions here around kind of, you know, t- toddler tantrums and the sort of two to five age, but obviously your speciality is slightly older, but we're going to have older kids uh, one day. And I really, I'd love to, you know, speak to you about the whole kind of social interaction with friends at school and if there's any sort of nasty behavior or bullying behavior going on. And if your child is the subject of that, or you find out that your child is is the bully on how we tackle that because that would be something interesting to kind of have on this podcast forever (laughs) such a good question especially now that we are you know a year or two beyond the pandemic because I think we've all just gone back to how things were and that two three year period has monumentally changed the way our children have grown up because essentially they've missed two or three years of social skills that they would have learned being at school that they now don't have. And so what I'm seeing in secondary schools, especially for those younger years, like year seven and year eight, which is like 11, 12, 13, is they act like they're eight. And I'm like, oh my God, guys, you're so immature. It's ridiculous. And just like, yeah, she did this, she said that and stuff that I would expect still at primary. And so as adults, it is really difficult because when we were younger, we thought, this happens at this age. And so what we're having to recognize now is everything is happening younger, not just their exposure to stuff, but their behavior. And so there has to be some empathy to what they've missed. And they don't know that they didn't have that, right? They don't know that they missed two years of social skills that teachers can very clearly see. Um, And so stuff like unkind comments or gossiping or bullying or like the nasty things that can happen in friendship circles at school they are common and they are probably more common because they are now learning how to uh conflict resolve or how to problem solve with friends rather than just like going off and gossiping and so it would be interesting to hear Gemma actually what your experience has been at primary level but what I've seen at secondary level is that there's a a huge lack of trust in each other so there's been I I remember recently asking my year 11s this is like 15 year olds and they were like nah can't trust anyone and I was like that's so sad to hear you say that because in that COVID time they were glued to their phones because what else did they have independence and freedom was gone so that was their only way not only for schooling but to interact whatever and so so much power and control was given over to that and they then saw things being shared or screenshots being made or horrible group chats being created and so yeah and it's it's really hard and sad because we are not digital natives in the way they are we obviously know now our phones but we didn't grow up when we were eight with them or 10 or 12 I remember getting like a phone when I was like 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 I had Snake on my Nokia 3310 and I thought I was cool. I thought I was the coolest girl. So it's, yeah, it is a really tricky thing. The first thing we have to recognize is COVID and the impact of that. And the second thing is what Gem is probably doing more so at that younger age of like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, of what conflict resolution looks like and what problem solving with friends looks like. Gem, what would you advise for those two things? Yeah, so it's really interesting in terms of, 
obviously they kind of shift from I've seen a lot um as well like the lack of trust between some some classes some classes it's a case of they still have that almost um because they're so much younger they don't understand and like like we all didn't understand we're being told to not do this what does that mean and it's just that fallout of you had something and it was just whipped away from you can that happen again like will my school close down again will I suddenly not be able to see my friends again and as adults, it was something we couldn't really process and explain. I would say in terms of bullying and being bullied, um, a lot of things is about empathy. So teaching from a young age, you kind of go in with an are you okay? Because that builds the empathy around it. Um, if you find out your child is the bully, don't try and defend it, try and understand it. Going in really defensive isn't going to help the situation, isn't going to teach your child ownership like nine times out of ten when they're younger they don't necessarily understand the full ramifications of what they've said therefore if they've said something they nine times out of ten are actually going to be sorry especially if we go in with shame and embarrassment because that's our child and that makes me feel bad what we're then teaching our kid is not how to cope with mistakes and learn from them but oh my god I'm embarrassed and I have to hide and be judged so it's about I, I've seen that this happened. I'm disappointed. I know that you can do better than this. Let's talk about situation, very specific situations. So if she says that to you again, what can we say? Um, and, and really like narrating the language that they can then try and build in to their new friendships. Yeah, and they and they do like hats off to the primary school system. Obviously, that's the experience that I'm going through at the moment with both Luna and Kit. But there was an incident with Kit. You know, he can be quite kind of, I hate to use the word boyish, but he's very like boisterous, I guess is the word. And he likes a bit of rough and tumble and r wrestling and all that kind of stuff. And he knocked over a boy who then went back and banged at the back of his head. And, um, you know, the school took it really seriously. He would never maliciously want to hurt anybody, but it was like, you know, he wrote a letter of apology. He went and had to speak to the, he's four. He, he went and had to speak to the deputy head. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what's going to happen here? But really she just wanted to try and explain to him again, that we have to be more gentle and that not everybody wants to play that kind of play. And he has to be aware of that because he's quite big. He looks like he could be six. So yeah, they did take it, but it, but it did make him understand, you know, it was quite a shock to him. So in a way, I, I don't think I've ever seen it that young before, but I'm quite proud of what they did because he does need to know that not everybody wants to get into a scrum with him like he does with his dad at home mm. and I think that's really great to accept it because a lot of times yeah. a lot of times you kind of get parents who go well he didn't mean it and he didn't want to do that and the school understand that the school's job isn't to then tell your child off all day the school's job is to support your child through social interactions that they don't get at home and how to manage that so if yeah. you can support the school in that then you're going to be further along than just setting up a wall and a barrier to stop them doing that and you know what Zoe by using those sentences like we said before which is like do you want to, like, shall we wrestle, scrum, whatever the word is, that just those questions. So him asking others, there's then like a consent yeah. that's put into this agreement. We know if we get a bit wrestly, we're going to get a little bit violent and physical. And those are boisterous activities. That's fine. But it's the question. It's the initial question. Also, just going to jump back to what Fia said about the phones and the digital technology, because we've all got younger kids and it is terrifying. Fia and I having these conversations of like, what do we do? Like, you've got 10-year-olds who they're going to get a phone. Okay, you've got nine-year-olds yeah. who are getting phones. What can we do? Well, if 
all of us as parents of a younger kind of um, younger children, if we can all agree to just give them that little bit later, then they won't have this peer pressure. That is the thing, isn't it? Because there's that fine line of you not wanting them to be, you know, like left out but then also you don't feel comfortable. I felt like it with like gaming, like uh, yeah, you did, all Axel's you? friends yeah. play like all of these different computer games. Neither of like me or James, my husband, have really any experience with computer games. I think my husband might've had a PlayStation when he was like 15 or something, that's it. So we didn't really understand. And But equally, he was going to like friends' houses and after they play football in the garden, they would then go inside and he'd be like, oh, I can't play. I don't know how to play. And he'd feel really left out. So we did. We got him uh, a Nintendo thing. And actually, it's not been an issue at all. Like, it's been fine. But we did succumb to the peer pressure. But that's on a small scale. Whereas when it comes to a phone, I'm like... I don't, it's really hard. And I, I, I agree. Like if all of the parents just talk to each other and all feel the same, then almost no one's going to be left out. Because, Let's start a campaign. Yeah, we're all going to be on Let's the same start a page. petition, we're in. I was going to say, just whilst you're there, loads of kids are getting Roblox and it's like a gaming space. Just be really careful on Roblox because there's really easy ways that kids can access like very scary content and like, links that take you to like gore websites and my year sevens are telling me this this is 11 year olds wow so just be yeah we're gonna do we're actually doing loads of content on our instagram about different sites and not only digital safety we've got a workshop coming up but about what to know for each thing um i've got a question here which i can really relate to sassy but shy two and a half year old girl how to help her be braver but calmer now i think zoe and i talk about this a lot like with girls in particular we want to raise them to be confident brave all of those sorts of things but actually dealing with a really sassy girl is very hard I have one I I currently have a two and a half year old that is honestly I say she's gonna rule the world um because yes um how to handle it they are um you want to encourage their uniqueness what's interesting is kind of sassy almost comes with it the thought process of they're confident they're going to be really like outgoing and they're going to be really like forward um which I think if you packaged that to somebody they'd be like okay great off you go but Mm. because it's got that um opposite effect of well they're still quite shy it's a you have to manage it a Mm. bit more balanced because yes they are still very young and whilst you want them to be independent whilst you want them to have all those confident uh qualities about them um you need to be there for them they nothing can replace the fact that when they turn around to you and say or cry even because they won't say it they would they need you so I think just um loaning yourself to them and kind of accepting that when they go to birthday parties they might still need to sit on your lap and instead of playing into this narrative of you can do this yeah go on off you go yeah yeah, yeah. get on with it yeah letting them know that okay when you're ready I know you can do this because I know you can do so much because you're so great at going off on your scooter or you're so great at climbing up the stairs on your own or playing independently when we're at home. I know that when you're ready, you'll go and apply that skill into this situation. And it could just be the fact that they're in a new situation that's quite overwhelming, quite daunting. 
Um, and so they do just need that gentle encouragement through it rather than the Ugh, just go um, kind of attitude. I mean, I love I, my husband is an amazing father in so many, so many areas. I learned so much from him, but he definitely, definitely has a fairly old school view of being yeah. like, right. And I do agree sometimes like get on with it. Come on, kids. You just got to make your own fun. You've got to go, 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 go. But sometimes I'm like, but just just a second but that's just the mater- that's just the, the so- so softer maybe maternal side to me so there's ba- definitely finding the balance isn't there Gu- guys all of that stuff was so relatable everything that you were saying I was like you're hitting we right into the heart one. we have to do another we one we haven't even touched the surface yeah I know all the questions um no loved that thank you it was thank brilliant so we, we'll be in touch and be like right when can we nail you down again to pick up the other hundred that we didn't cover thank you very much ladies Thanks um so have much. a great rest of your day and me and Georgia have got a hot tub to get to so we'll uh, enjoy the Sophia and Jem are amazing aren't they I really really enjoyed that yeah and I feel like there are going to be many more episodes to come yeah um like on all of that kind of sub, all of those subjects and getting all their expertise especially if they've got insights into teenagers I know I mean I feel like maybe this is it so we're gonna get it right because we're gonna get <laughs> the insight from them you know you can't keep them locked up at your house though George really is that is that wrong <laughs> <laughs> no they were brilliant absolutely oh, brilliant massive it. thank you to the girls and we're sorry that if we didn't get to your question today but hopefully in some shape or form we managed to answer it through somebody else's question yeah. So, exactly. But as Georgia said, we'll keep revisiting it. Um, well, now, we normally do products at this time on the podcast, but we mentioned um, three or four amazing books um, to kind of help you out on your parenting journey in there. So we will link those. Georgia, have you got another one? Yeah, I mean, I really like Ruby's Worry. That's a really lovely book. Just a story if you've got quite anxious children that I mean I just to to add that kind of series of books and there's another one called Sophie Says which I really like but if you've got any suggestions as well then please DM us on Instagram we're on at made by mummers and we'll you know link them all because I think they are really useful to just have at home and I've got a couple I've got a couple on emotions that somebody actually sent to me um, around you know it's okay not to feel okay so we'll link that one as well but yeah some great bits of literature to kind of help us out in all of these tricky areas as always we'd love you to rate Review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow which just helps us spread the word yeah of course and the more listens the more reviews we get the better guests remember that <laughs> for you guys as well um, and we'll be back on tuesday made by mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely charlotte mason insanity group Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.